You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. It's good to be together. This morning, I am going to be speaking to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking about generosity. And I want to read to you verses 6 through to 13. These verses will come up on the screens around the room. Let me give you the context of these verses. The Apostle Paul is writing to uh, his church in Corinth, and he's saying, listen, a while back, you promised that you were going to send some money to the church in Jerusalem, which was in quite a lot of poverty at that time. And he's reminding them that they had agreed that they would give money to that church. And this is uh, some principles here for us in terms of our general giving and our generosity, but also uh, with two weeks' time in mind as well. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Let's pray, shall we? I know Tim's already prayed, but Father, we just need you to help us to have soft hearts as we unpack your word together. Please teach us, Father. Amen. I wonder if you've ever considered why generosity is a big deal to God. I wonder if you ever wondered why Jesus would talk on giving as he so often did. I wonder if you ever wonder why, as a church, we might spend two or three Sundays a year on this subject, looking at what does God say about our money. Why is this a big deal to God? Why did Jesus speak about giving to the rich man who came to him and said, Jesus, I have obeyed all the commands. I am morally upright. I am righteous. Why did Jesus say to him, okay, now you've got to go away and sell everything you have and give away the proceeds? What's the deal there? Why did Jesus say that to that man? Because he didn't didn't say that to everyone. He didn't say that to everyone who came to him. Well, he saw in that man there was a heart issue where this man... He had the love of money in his heart. He wanted to cling on to what he had rather than be generous with it. And really, he wasn't really a righteous man in that regard. Because he had in his mind, I want to gain for myself as much as I can. And Jesus saw to the heart of that man. And he sent him away probably quite confused. Because this man really thought, I'm a righteous guy. Jesus taught a lot about money, and his followers did likewise. The Apostle Paul himself, not just in this passage but elsewhere, wrote one of the most misquoted verses of the Bible. 
He wrote this, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we often say it's about money being the root of all evil. Money is morally neutral. Money is neither good nor bad. It can be used for very good purposes. It can be used for bad purposes. But actually money is is neutral. The love of money, when we treasure it supremely above everything else in our lives, it's actually the root of all kinds of evil. It will send us to all kinds of lengths to get more of it. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Jesus is perceptive. He sees right to the heart. And he came to bring liberty for the captives. Not just that we might be freed from our sin and our shame and forgiven, but actually that we'd be free from the love of money. So money is important. Generosity is important. What we do with our money shows some things. It proves some things. Generosity is one of the greatest evidences of truly being a Christian. You cannot have the word stingy and Christian in the same sentence. It doesn't make sense. Generosity proves that we've been cleaned up of our self-interest. It proves that we're no longer living for ourselves but for God. Generosity proves that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the servant who came not to be served but to serve and to give. Generosity proves that we don't worship false gods of material wealth. And generosity reflects the heart of God. He's a generous God. He's a providing God. He's a giving God. He revealed himself to Abraham as Yahweh Hira. I am the God who provides. I'm the God who goes on providing is what it means. I will provide for you. He's a giving God. And he desires for us to reflect him in this. He desires for you to reflect him in the way that he is generous. If you are a believer here, which is many of us here, he desires for you to reflect him in this. So the issue is not that we give, but it's how we give. And we're going to look at how not to give, and then we're going to look at how to give. Firstly, how not to give. We see this from uh, Paul in this passage. He says, don't give reluctantly. Be eager to give. A reluctant heart is one that says, you know what, I don't really want to do this, but I suppose it's my duty, so I probably should give something into this. I'll get the bare minimum done. It gets the job done. God is, he is not impressed with our duty. He's not impressed with us thinking, I ought to do this. It's my duty to do it. He's not impressed with that. God doesn't pursue people through coercion, but through warming our hearts, actually. He, he changes us from the inside out. When you look at the New Testament, you see these um, church leaders writing to the churches that they're overseeing. They're warming them up with the gospel. They're bringing to them the good news. And they're saying, in light of this, this is now how you are to live. It's not kind of, you know, you need to do this, otherwise God's going to be really mad with you. Or you need to do your duty here. No, it's always God working on our hearts from the inside out. And he wants us to see some things about him. He wants us to see that he's ultimately a giver. He's not a taker. If we see God as a, as a, as a taker then we're going to give reluctantly because we're going to be thinking, well, you're just going to need to take my stuff, God. But when we see him as a giver, that he's really got good intentions for us, that he's really got a heart to give to us, then we won't give reluctantly. We'll give from the heart. A reluctant giver says, tell me how much I'm supposed to give, and I'm just going to do that. What am I supposed to give? All right, okay, I'm going to give that. Right, done. That's reluctant giving. But the more and more we Behold his worth. It won't be duty for us to be generous. 
it will be out of the overflow of our hearts, thinking, wow, God, you've been so generous to me. You've been so kind to me. And now out of the overflow of this, I'm going to give. I'm going to pour out of what I have. So we don't give reluctantly. We don't give in response to pressure. Paul has said in verse 5, he wants this to be a willing gift. He doesn't want this to be something that he's been able to extract from them somehow. No one should ever put pressure on you to give. I've been in, in an environment a couple of times in my life and I've sat and I've heard someone speaking and I thought, you know, you're putting pressure on here to give and I don't believe that that is right. We, we have an atmosphere of grace here where we don't ring anyone up and say, hey, you need to give. We don't do that here. We want this to be an atmosphere of grace whereby we, in the overflow, out of response to God's mercy, we say, right, okay, now I want to give. It's one, one, we want it to be our heart's desire not for anyone to be under pressure to give. We're going to teach on giving from time to time in this church, maybe two or three times a year, but it's always that it's from the place of, wow, God has been so good to us, not as a pressure for anyone. So we don't give reluctantly or under pressure. Well, how do we give? We give, firstly, with joy. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. How does this work? Because he already loves us. We don't believe he can love us any more than he does. He loves us fully. He loves us wholly. He loves us with an outrageous love, this overwhelming love of God, this reckless love of God that we've sung about this morning. How could he possibly love us more? I don't believe it's saying here that if you give with joy in your heart that he loves you more, but I do believe that it brings a smile to him, that it gives him joy when we give joyfully. I believe it really brings joy to God's heart when we give joyfully because when we give joyfully, whether that be on our regular giving, but in the buckets or by standing order, or whether it be on our special offerings like we will in two weeks' time. When we give joyfully, it shows that we have grasped something in our hearts, and God loves it when we grasp things in our hearts. He's seeing that we are grasping grasping that he is of far greater importance than anything that money can buy. He's seen that we've grasped that there is a reward far greater than anything that we could buy in this life. That we are awaiting a reward in heaven that we can store up for ourselves. Because we've grasped that we can actually lay up treasures for ourselves. He's seen that we've grasped the truth that he's given everything that we have, he has given to us and is still ultimately his. I remember when my twin daughters were born. They took a while in coming. We, uh, we went into the hospital on a Monday morning, and that was at seven in the morning, and come Tuesday evening at seven o'clock, they finally arrived. It was quite a long time, and uh, I actually fainted in the process. <laughs> My wife Sarah was amazing. She was very strong. She just carried on going as if nothing, it didn't phase her at all. I ended up fainting at the smallest sight of blood. That was about seven hours before the children even came. I fainted. I had to go have a Burger King just to kind of get my strength back. If you ever have a first aid emergency, please do not come to see me. I'll pray for you once it's been cleaned up a little later down the line. But I remember when they finally came, I was left with them on my own for about 15, 20 minutes while Sarah was just being looked after. And I looked down at these little bundles of blanket and woolly hats and I thought God you're entrusting me with these things I haven't got a clue what I'm doing I'd never changed a nappy before 
I don't think I'd even held a baby before. And suddenly there was two of them on this little bed in front of me. And I thought, God, you are entrusting. These are yours. And you are entrusting me with these children to not only help them to survive, but to raise them as godly women. I thought, God, you know me. I'm not that responsible. And yet, God, you're entrusting me with them. God loves it when we grasp that truth, that everything we have is really only, is, is his. And he's entrusting us with those things. He loves that. It brings, a, it brings a smile to him. It brings joy to him. Because then, when, when we get that in our hearts, we're able to give joyfully. We're able to say, Lord, it's all yours anyway. And I just get to give back to you from what you've given to me. It brings joy to God when we grasp these things. That he's been abundantly gracious to us. He's not only saved us, but he's given us things to steward on his behalf. It fills me with joy when my children grasp truths. I've been reading a book with my son who's four. It's called Everything a Child Should Know About God. You should, you should get it. If you've got a child between the age of three and eight, you should get that book. And I've been sitting down with him the last two weeks, and we've been going through this book. And night after night, I've just been seeing the light bulbs come on for him. I, he's suddenly understanding more of who God is. I, I try explaining the Trinity to a four-year-old at his bedtime. That was hard work. I don't think I succeeded. But it's been a joy just to see him grasping truths, grasping that God made everything. Although as I walked out of the bedroom, that's, it always happens at this point, doesn't it? You're walking out of the bedroom, you just want to sort of tip her out, right, good night, see you in the morning. Dad, God didn't really make everything, did he? What do you mean? Well, he didn't make our house, did he? Well, he made the sand and the clay that makes the bricks. Yeah, but he didn't make electricity, did he? I was like, well, yeah, he kind of did, actually. All these conversations just start coming out when you want him to go to sleep. But it brings me joy. It brings me great delight when I see my children getting hold of truth, when I see them understanding things. And God loves it when we give cheerfully. He loves it when we give cheerfully because whether we're giving 10 pounds or 10,000 pounds, We've grasped that he is better. He's better. He's better than life itself. We've grasped that he is our provider. Hearts bursting with the mercies of God. Sometimes, I don't know if this happens to you, sometimes, like we were even in worship this morning, my heart's just bursting. God, how can, you, how can it be you're so good to me? I don't, des- I don't deserve it. I just want to, I just out of the overflow of my gratitude, I just want to give you everything. I love that song this morning, Jesus, our devotion, have it all, have it all. That was my prayer this morning, have it all. And the view of the mercies of God, that's what Paul says in in Romans chapter 12. In view of the mercies of God, lay it all down, say it's all yours, God. God loves it when we come to him with that heart of abandonment. That's how we give joyfully, from the heart, a heart that's grasped these amazing truths. We give with joy, we give with trust in our hearts, week on week, month on month, however regularly you give. Some of us give by standing order, so when those buckets come round, you might think, does anyone actually give here? Many of us are giving by standing order, it goes straight from our bank into the church here. Month on month, week on week, we're to trust him. He can be totally trusted to provide for our every need. He can be totally trusted. Jesus, in in Matthew chapter 6 makes a promise 
to you and I, that is not a promise that comes with a little asterisk which says, terms and conditions apply subject to status and availability. No, it's a, it's an, it's a cast in iron promise that as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that all of these things will be given to us. Or as we seek God first, as we put him first with our lives, as we, as we say, God, it's all about you. Have it all. I trust you. I'm living for your fame and renown. I want to see your kingdom come in my school. I want to see your kingdom come in my workplace. I want to see your kingdom come in my family, in my community. As we do this, as we seek him first, as we seek his righteous ways first, and we're all going to get some things wrong in that regard, but as we look to his word and say, I want to live in your righteous ways, as we seek him first, he's going to provide for everything that we need. All these things that he's talking about in Matthew chapter 6, your clothes, your food, your drink, where you're going to live, he's going to provide for your every need. That's a a cast in stone promise. It doesn't come with any kind of buts or conditions. He's promised that he will provide for our needs. God will provide. There's been a few occasions over these last few years where Sarah and I have emptied the bank account into our offerings here. And we said, God, we need you to provide. We had hoped to do this. We want to do that. We want to buy this. But we're going to trust you and say, God, you're going to provide for us. And he has done, friends. We've never, there's never been a a day when we thought, well, there's nothing to eat. There's never been a day when that's come by. God's provided for us. This year, we had two free holidays because out of the blue, someone that we'd not spoken to, I thought earlier, maybe four years, probably in about six years, some people wrote to us on Facebook and said, we're going on a holiday um, at the end of August uh, for two weeks. Do you want to have our house? Uh, and you can just come and stay in our house. And get this, they had a hot tub. So, <laughs> and we just got to have a free holiday. Right near, the, oh, it was beautiful. God provides for his children. He's a good father. He's a good dad with intentions for our good. Isn't that good to know that this almighty God we've been singing about this morning, he has intentions for our good. He has intentions for your good. He intends good for you and he will provide. So we can give with joy. We can give with trust. We need not be anxious about anything. We can trust him wholly. And we give that he will be glorified, that he will be seen by more and more people to be as glorious as he really is. That he'll be treasured by the people of Ipswich. That people who right now are walking in great darkness will come to see him for the glorious light that he really is. That people who are right now caught in all kinds of stuff will come to see he's the liberator. And will come to praise him and give him everything that he's due. That is our goal in life now. The glory of God. It was probably once for all of us the glory of ourselves. That we were looking to, to see our fame and, and renown enhanced. To see others like us and praise us and to get all the stuff we could so that others could respect us. But now our goal is this, I want God to be glorified. Is that your goal? I want God to be glorified. So we give with the glory of God in mind. We give with the glory of God in mind. We say, God, it's all yours. That's the goal of our lives now. The fame and renown of Jesus Christ. As we come to close, you might be here this afternoon and it may be your first time in church. It might be your first time in church for some time 
and your heart kind of sunk when you saw that I was speaking on giving today. Because you thought, oh man, it's all true. <laughs> they're, just, they're just in it for the money. I remember a few years ago before we moved to Ipswich to serve Hope Church, I was speaking with a colleague at the time about faith and um, he said to me, you know the church are just in it for your money, don't you? And I said, no, you, you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. I, I said, look, my, my church leaders, they, they, they don't live lavish lifestyles. They're normal people. They're not in it to get gain out of this at all. Lots of them could be earning lots more than they would in a church. I said, you couldn't be more wrong. But you know what? I wish I had said to him was this. They're in it for much more than your money. God wants your heart. He wants everything you have. I didn't think of that at the time. How often we think after this, I wish I'd said that. God wants your heart. He wants everything. You are made for him. You are made to know him. You are made to worship him. Probably one of the most famous theologians of all time, an African guy called Augustine, he said this. You were made for God. And your heart is restless until it finds its rest in him. You are made to know him. You are made to walk with him, to enjoy him. And the, the problem is that all of us have gone our own way. We've walked away from that amazing offer of life with God. We've walked our own way and got into all kinds of mess, all kinds of darkness, all kinds of spiritual poverty, but Paul says this amazing news in chapter 8, the chapter just before the chapter we've read from. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. The generous grace of God, sending his son Jesus into the world, that Jesus would come and actually literally be materially poor. He didn't have a place to call his own and to, to humble himself, to be like a servant, to wash the feet of his brothers and to then die on a cross, naked, abandoned by the vast majority of his friends, mocked and scorned, so that we who were spiritually poor, spiritually in poverty, spiritually looking for all kinds of things to find our rest other than God. We who were spiritually poor could become very rich, rich in the knowledge of God, rich in the promises that he's given us. We could become rich. That's the good news, that Jesus humbled himself in this way. He came so that we could be brought back to God, the one for whom we were made, the one for whom our hearts will be restless until they find their rest in him. If you're not a believer here, I bet that your heart is restless. I bet it's restless. I bet it's searching for all kinds of things that will satisfy. But everywhere you've turned, you've known it's not satisfied. You might have even tried religion and behaving really well and doing kinds of rituals and stuff. But it hasn't been with God at the center. And it's, it's left, left you with restlessness in your heart. You may have turned to relationships 
And you might have thought, you know, if I only had that person to call my own, if I only had that person to say goodnight to at night, then I would be satisfied. And you've realized it doesn't satisfy. It leaves me restless. It leaves me hungry. It might be you've tried it in all kinds of avenues. Listen, your heart will be restless until it finds its rest in God. And you can know that rest today as you come to Jesus. As you say, Jesus, I trust that you, even though you are gloriously rich with the Father and the Spirit in heaven for all eternity, you made yourself poor, you humbled yourself to die on a cross for me. And I believe it was for my forgiveness. I believe it was so that my shame could be washed away. As you come to him with that today, he will, he will restore you to a relationship with a perfect father. That you might know these amazing spiritual riches. That's good news, isn't it? He's so generous. His generous grace towards us. So I want to urge us and exhort us. I think we're going to sing a final song. Band, if you could be ready. I want to exhort us to be generous with all that God has given us. Some of you in two weeks' time will come with 10 pounds and that will, that will literally be all that you can give. Some of you might come with tens of thousands of pounds and that might be what you can give. But God will look upon us with a smile in his heart as we give cheerfully with the knowledge that he has, all that we've got is just his and we're looking after it with the knowledge that he will provide for everything we need, with the knowledge that we're laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven as we seek his kingdom first. He will smile upon our giving as we treasure those truths in our hearts. And I want to pray, maybe, with, maybe just stay seated for a moment, I want to pray for us so that these truths really will sink into our hearts in the days to come. Father, I sung it this morning, have it all, have it all, have everything that I have, have my every ounce of energy, have my money, have my gifting, Lord, I want to spend it on you and pointing people to you, you are all satisfying, Lord, you alone are satisfying, and Lord God, your generous grace is amazing. Lord, I want my life to reflect your generous grace. And I want this for my friends here, Lord. I want this for every one of my family in this church, that we would reflect the generous grace of God. That we would be not holding tight onto what you've given us, but saying, God, you've, everything I have is yours. I pray you'd help us to, in this week even, to say, God, how can I give? What would you have me give? We want to walk with you in the area of giving. We don't want to do anything under pressure or anything out of duty. We want our hearts to be filled with joy in two weeks' time and in the months and the years to come. And even yeah. when this yes, building Lord. project is done and dusted, even when every penny has been paid off, we want to give outrageously to your kingdom's purposes. We want that to mark our life. We want, to mark, we want that to mark our church, Lord. That we would be generous people. Do a work in my heart. 
do a work in my friends' hearts here, Lord. Yeah. For your glory. We're living for you, Lord. We're all going to stand in a moment, but if you just want to respond right now and say, yeah, Jesus, have it all. Why don't you stand where you are? Just stand where you are and say, Jesus, have it all. Our praise, our devotion, have it all. I'm all in on this. It's all yours anyway. Just say to him right now, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Trust that you're my provider. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.